making product is like movie release so 10 movies you make two will be super hit three will be uh, dustbin and then three will be so 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 you have to agree to this fact so welcome to this podcast uh, uh, titled how zoho works and uh, i'm really excited to sit sit down with telish dave uh, one of the co-founders of zoho and uh, someone who looks after the entire engineering which is the core to building things that zoho builds and uh, someone who's been watching everything from day one uh, in zoho so welcome to the podcast telish yeah, thank you uh telish the idea of this conversation is to answer a very simple question which is how zoho works uh, it would be good to, to start with uh, you know like listening to uh, your thoughts about how it was when it was ground zero <laughs> because you've been there since then uh, take us through that experience of the ground zero when zoho was not what it is today uh, through your lens and then we can get into uh, how you build things at zoho going forward yeah sure yeah thanks pankaj for this opportunity so yeah talking about ground zero as as they will always say you could fit everyone into a single room okay so you could put a take any room put a set of chairs put some tables put some computers and then you have the startup going so we had actually done this uh, atop uh, shridhar's uh, father's house um and then usual troubles like uh, Uh, dial-up links and ISDN links and all that. Uh, so we had our share of it. But in all this, like uh, you just go through it because you're fresh out of college and uh, um, and you enjoy whatever problems is thrown at you. And then slowly, as we as you start making the products and putting it out, and customers start coming in, uh, you kind of get more serious, okay? And then uh, you know that somebody has paid for it, right? So that that will always be a sense of wonderment when somebody. what what you think you have done and somebody is willing to pay for it you kind of pinch yourself twice so those are all the early uh, stage uh, uh, i mean we will be will meant if i can if i can use that and then um, uh, so basically at the time it would be more of um, um, come every day and see whether some customer has downloaded your product i mean that time we were making a product a very simple product in technology stack called snmp api which is used in the network management world and it's the base of it the base by which one device can talk to the other i mean it's not when i use these words it feels like iot but i'm talking about 20 years back uh, one device talks to the other uh, to get some information about it its health and how well the network is and stuff like that and this talking happens via a particular protocol called snmp and we were building that base stack so you would just put it on the web and uh, you would wait for somebody to download use it and then they would start asking questions and then you will realize that they are using it in ways that you had intended it for right and one interesting thing we had done see that was the this was early 90 late 96 early 97 so uh, that was when the net was taking off and all that um, so that time itself as a business model we had decided that we'll put out the product for free so there will be a trial version then people can download it easily use it i mean we would say we were one of the forerunners of that model or at least contemporaries of that model so around that time is when uh, this whole thought process about the distribution cost of software is zero so it shouldn't be that much difficult for a lot more people to use it so and we should give them an opportunity where 
instead of involving high-end sales and high-end consulting, people should be able to download the product easily, try it out whatever way they want, at least for an extended period of time uh, as a trial basis, and then come back and uh, use it. And that time, they may even get free support, which was unheard of. Yeah. So somebody downloads a product, it's not only that you're using it, using it for free during the trial period, you also have questions. And now that question is when you will send off to the support team. So during that phase, the customer is using it for free, you're, and you're already putting effort on him, supporting him or her, supporting the product. So, and uh, that time you'll see that people are using it in ways which you hadn't intended for, but it's very interesting. That time you get excited, wow, they're using it this way, they're using it that way. And then suddenly you will see somebody saying, I've put it in production, and your stack is not working. So there is both a joy and a sorrow. <laughs> sorrow that, okay, one night out is coming our way. Joy that, man, somebody has taken what you have done and put it all the way into production. So we are becoming important, right? So those are all the feelings. But once the product reaches a critical stage and your team expands, then your process sets in, okay? But one thing is, most of us being engineers, we already had a semblance of process before. For, for example, one thing in engineering in a software company they would do is something called a code repository yeah. where you would you would put in all the code when multiple people are working actually if you go to startups even today some of them don't even do that even though they are aware of it but in our case we would say right from day one these are all some of the disciplines we had so where we would we would set it up and then multiple people would work on it and then we will ensure that uh, we have put we have tested it well, we have built it and stuff like that. So these are some of the ingrained uh, processes we used to follow even when we were small. But once the number of products started increasing and the customers also started increasing, more discipline comes in. The discipline comes in because you owe it to the customer because you paid for it, plus your team also expands, right? And uh, once your team expands, you, uh, you need to have people focused on customer support, then you need to have people focused on the next release, what has to go in, and then uh, fixing the bugs. So then you generally have, to, what was a single team of five, six people, now suddenly becomes two, three teams of uh, four, five people each. And then you'll have to ensure that, one. see, one good thing when you grow along with the product is, you will know the inside out of the product very well, which is natural because it's your own baby. But now, once the team expands, you have a set of people who have come in, at a later stage. But they also have to feel that, oh, it's my baby. Only then they will support with the same passion and what you have, right? So you, you have to transfer your knowledge and sit along with them to ensure that that person also feels the same. So what was originally a natural thing that happened by the virtue of you building the product, now will have to be transferred vicariously to other set of people so that they also feel for the product. So these are all some of the interesting things you come up with. Sometimes you'll get frustrated because you have knowledge built up over one or two years and suddenly somebody asks a question. The first thing they'll come up with, how come you don't know even this? But you should hold yourself up. I mean, obviously that person hasn't spent that two years, you have spent it. So you kind of, re you have to simulate the fact that, okay, that person has spent only two months on the product. So it's very natural for him to ask that question, him or her to ask that question. <coughs> then you, you take the patience and explain. So you you kind of go through it and then suddenly you see that now you have a support department then you have an engineering thing that is focused on uh, bug fixes and as next product release and now all these structures start coming in so now be before we get into how you build the things at, at soho 
you you just made a very interesting point, uh, Kailesh, and that is, uh, I mean, knowledge transfer part, right? Lots of organizations struggle there, uh, the blame game and mm. things like that. Mm. Can you spend a little time in helping us understand how do you actually do it? Yeah. Actually, I mean, I have to answer it in a tangential way. So, uh, so let me say this. One of the good things about Zoho is most of the people whom we hire are freshers and they stay through. So if you look at our managers, 90% are homegrown. That means they have been with us for more than 15-20 years. Okay. Now why, why that is important in a knowledge transfer kind of a scenario is if you have people changing very often, then you have to be very heavy on process. Otherwise, you know that if you have taught the person once and the person is going to be with you for long, you can be light on process, heavy on knowledge transfer and it will be a very enjoyable experience. So I would say fortunately in Zoho, because of lots of factors coming together, we were blessed with this. Okay. So in that sense, if somebody from outside were to come and look at our knowledge transfer processes, they might think that like we are not being rigorous. But one thing that is missing there is there is a prior knowledge that the other person is also going to be here for long. So most of the times it would be about sitting next to that person explaining. Maybe a very patchy document will be there somewhere. But we'll sit next to the person and explain. And once you explain to the person, it has got into his, her brain or her, his brain. And then you'll see that 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 person is fully equipped. So to answer your question, because we had people in it for long term, we could transfer the knowledge by sitting next to that person and be for sure that that person has gained the knowledge. There might be only a sketchy documentation. So in that sense, it was less on process. But over years, I'm sure we have improved on it because the teams have grown big enough now. So one challenge of this could also be uh, about infusing uh, new knowledge or something very fresh and very futuristic so uh, I'm, I'm referring to the training aspect of things but but generally I mean, is, is there a side effect of having people who are, who are who've always spent time with you uh, ah, okay okay can it be challenging even if it's in a small way yeah so two schools of thought one school is uh, uh, why spend, uh, I mean, one person is very good at something, then uh, why not allow him to do that full time, then spend time with somebody. But you have to realize, anyway, we are all going to work together in this for long term. Then there should be this bondage where this new person gets that feeling, I mean, there might be a technical architect sit sitting, okay, a new customer support person comes in. When that person, when the technical architect spends time with the customer support, it's not only that question of transferring that knowledge about the product. There is also this human bondage that is formed. This guy will feel, man, somebody is thinking that I'm important. He's stopping his work, coming and talking to me and explaining this whole thing. Now, I think that feeling is very essential. Okay. So these, you, you might say, when you look at it, oh, three hours time lost on explaining to a customer support person. But I would look at it as it's time well spent because you know this person. If the person is not there in for long term, even I would question that. But you know that this person is going to be for long term then it's okay, three hours is fine. So just explain that to put in that extra effort. I, I, I believe in that school of thought where doing that may not be the most efficient thing, but it's, it surely helps in this. I mean, you, you see that the team is bonded well. So, so I would say that is one thing. Second is on training, we always used to say that, oh, if you want training, then you don't belong here. 
okay there's a lot of information available on the web you should realize that that is the time when internet had taken off see if internet weren't there and you depend only on books then i agree that it'll be like you need training and all that but once internet took off you remember there used to be at least some videos and then there'll be text and even if the way one guy has written the text if you're not able to understand then alternatives before at all you buy a book you you are stuck with it now you have alternatives so it's just a question of you going and reading in another place and understanding what you didn't understand before so we believe that uh, self training is the best even now we believe that so if somebody comes and says oh do you think i should be trained in something then we'll say okay and ask that question go to the web read it and now you come back and ask me something in that which you didn't understand okay it, it cannot be like i want to be trained from ground zero no you have to do your work come up to some ground 2 ground 3 ground 4 whatever you are capable of then come back and ask me okay i didn't understand this maybe i'll give you a newer link or i'll give you that extra bit of information which will open up what the uh, instructor is saying or in the web is saying so no i see the value of it now uh, okay so now let's jump into how zoho builds products or how do you build things is there a playbook uh, has that evolved starting right from how do you think of a product idea how do you engineer it uh, i mean what is it okay yeah <laughs> see l- l- lots of i would put it this way finding out which product to do is still like movie making only you don't know what will take hit uh, what will not hit so that i would say is a question of nobody has processed it so far um, and uh, experience helps what i would say how experience helps is before taking up a particular uh, doing of a product you will think in terms of okay what is the uh, mvp what is the minimum viable product i should build before i hit the market now what is the marketing thing i should do so all the, all these you will start thinking before when you are experienced if you are not experienced you will just jump into something and you will just do it and as they say you will build it and hope for the customer to arrive then customers won't come but given that you are in this business of startup and you have the nature of hustling you will figure out your way okay then you will see that oh that competition is doing this kind of marketing or another friendly startup is doing um, this way of uh, podcast whatever then you will figure it out and do it but experience helps in the sense you will at least lay down what all is needed uh, to do that but which product to do is still an art of movie making so that is the first thing and how it has evolved is yeah like i would say um, 15 18 years back and all it will just be okay uh, it will be just, because we are small also it will be like okay this customer has asked for it so we assume we have two three products and we go and sell it to a customer he might say do you have something aligned like this fourth one or he might point out to a competition and say you know what i'm using three of this from you but i'm buying this from a competition so do you think you have an alternative for it so these kind of inputs would come and then so listening okay even here there are two schools of thought one school which says the the steve jobs school right don't listen to the customer you have to take the customer the customer doesn't know where he wants to be we have to envision and take it there the other school is i would say if you are if you are a visionary of that nature that might fit you there's also other school of thought where keeping your ears close to the ground will actually give you a lot more ideas from the customer because they are using the product okay so i would say initially if you believe you are a visionary take the steve jobs approach if you if you think uh, i mean i i can um, i can do well 
then do listen to the customer i don't see anything wrong just that you will have to apply your filter and see whether is it a requirement of a single customer or is it a requirement of a fairly widely spread percentage of customers might want it or not that uh, that uh, what should i say that question you need to answer but it's good to listen to the customers get in the inputs and do it and i think it has stood us very well i mean in our case uh, listening to the customers now customers could talk to you nowadays they talk to you in multiple ways right they'll talk to you via chat they'll talk to you via social media they'll talk to you via direct support questions they may talk to you via some other forum so you have four five ways doesn't matter what you are some of you need to capture the four five ways you have to ensure that you're listening to the customer in in all these four five channels now, whether you have a tool for example in our case we use our own tool like we use zoho desk which is our customer support software which can listen to all these channels but assume you don't have a data in matter you just need to go do the hard work of opening five tabs uh, and listening it but ensure that you listen that's the way i'll put it so uh, so, so this inputs from the customer uh, inputs from the market then somebody will actually come to our forums and say i think you should have this product they'll just say that gratis they'll just come and give you an input why then we might take it up and see okay why did this customer say that or why did this prospect say that how do you think other people will have the same kind of requirements and all that and then we'll decide okay let's start uh, building this uh but actually the start building that uh, has undergone a big change when we were small versus now like for now let's assume we want to do a new service in zoho we have to realize that it has to be of the same security standard as all the previous products that have been released because assume we have 30 40 services from zoho and now the 41st thing is coming for the team that is doing it the 41 is like a new thing but for zoho is the 41st thing and assume there were some security hole in that then you are compromising all the old 40 right or the previous 40 and not only a technical compromise it could be even a brand compromise like this this is like not great now the customer who's experienced to the remaining 40 has a good im- impression or whatever whatever be the impression good or bad and now suddenly this comes this could pull down further right so now it is not like uh, when we do products nowadays or services nowadays we at least ensure that it's it's of the same quality as the remaining things or we have to claim that it's beta it's labs so that the expectation is set uh in previous instances it could be like okay it'll kind of a bit of wild west okay let's do it we'll put it out then we iterate fast put it out to the customer give betas uh but now we now we take it more gradually okay and uh, other thing is we always now we are big enough with around 5000 6000 people so all our products are first run internally consumed internally before they go out because we are our own customers big like if you think of zoho as a company so we have offices in india some some whatever uh, 10 different places now that that's as multinational as it can get now whatever service we do if we can use it in these 10 places amongst our own employees without any problems then it's easier for us to roll out so all these checks have come in now so now when you want to release a service or a product it's lot more hard work than what it was 15 years back <laughs> so is it zoho way of engineering products uh, at the deep engineering level what's that that playbook yeah see that playbook is 
okay again that playbook comes from a tangential reason so we know we are in it for long term and we are willing to invest in it unlike other company which might have other ideas they might say oh you do it quick and fast let's take whatever whatever is available in our case we know okay this will have to stand good for the next 10 years that means to that extent we we actually invest a lot in tools and frameworks so we have our own internal framework you don't see a lot of saas companies doing this they will have frameworks which they take from, i'm not saying they won't have frameworks any company worth its salt will have a framework okay otherwise you have to see whether you're brain properly but what they might do is they might piggy back on something existing which is there already or they might evolve in our case we took some conscious decisions and effort saying okay so we will build a framework we took our time on that and then the new set of products will be on top of this so that our engineers who are working on it are trained on this so uh, we use a lot of open source frameworks but there is a lot of what should i say um uh, core beliefs through which we vet whatever you use from outside okay core engineering beliefs so uh, we we whichever whenever you go and adopt something from outside there is always this question is it in sync with this core belief and so we use these frameworks make our applications on top of it the biggest advantage of frameworks i mean which most of people would know is you can have your team size small okay and the other thing is all the good things that have been done before is available free for you and so then you there might be some learning curve involved but once you cross it you see the advantages so one of the important playbooks is some core engineering beliefs and a lot of investment in frameworks and tools is i think uh, a big difference because we know it's in long term uh, and it it better to have tools so that you don't keep repeating the same mistakes and and the customer may be willing to pardon you once but two times two times three times and all they may not be willing so you invest in these tools and stuff like that one of the in product dilemma that i have heard from different companies is the engineering versus uh, marketing or market or customer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know so serving a customer mm-hmm. so so people say that engineers have one way of uh, looking at problems mm-hmm. and and people who are selling the product or taking it to market have another maybe view of the problem mm-hmm. uh, i i don't know if i'm able to ex- you know yeah, yeah, so. but that becomes a challenge for many engineering organizations or product mm-hmm. organizations mm-hmm. how do you deal with that how 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 do you what becomes the dominant flavor yeah, so we have had a we have had our share of mistakes so we would uh, i mean uh, i would say like uh, 10 15 years back the focus would be more on uh, how we are designing the database how to put out the product and how fast to go out and all that but over the years we have evolved now where there's a lot more focus on product management a lot more focus on user interface get those things right first before uh, even writing a line of code okay so we have undergone this 180 degree shift okay so that is one thing and uh, second is most of these product management versus engineering uh, or uh, marketing versus engineering uh, these kind of i mean see these are all fault lines even by the nature of the own departments right so to to compare so engineering department is like rahul dravid score slow score steady i even have, i even call this a dravidian phase of development not because we are in south of indias i dedicated to rahul dravid okay so you know he is in keep scoring once keep scoring once occupy the crease and by the end of uh, 90 overs you are at whatever number right so the engineering is more tuned towards dravidian mode okay and then um, 
you take somebody like marketing or something it should be like doni or <laughs> so you see these are all fault lines that or kohli you know that is the flavor of the season yeah actually i would say at least doni was more like uh, calm and cool kohli is like the <laughs> you know there is always news wherever he goes okay he wears it up his sleeves so i would say the marketing department will have to be that way so these are all uh, uh, nature engineered fault lines so we can't do away with them but what reduces the friction i would say is the how long have they worked together okay that is very important second is when i say working together what does it mean basically you will know what are the what are the uh, things that the other person is willing to let go and things the other person is not willing to let go okay that is very important why why do these clashes happen because you will pick up a point on which the other person has a very strong opinion and then you will say no no this is what has to be done then the fight happens but in these cases you know because you have worked with this person for a long time because of the previous interactions okay now if if this person is irritated about this particular thing let me forewarn him right so a lot of these the very act of working together uh plus being in it for long gives you an overall view of what the person likes what the person doesn't like that itself will ensure that some of these frictions will come down but i agree with you so these are all so there are frictions i'm not saying no and there would be always uh, the marketing would always like to have precast dates because they have to go out to the pr right but the engineering will say oh how do we do this i mean we can't give this this uh, um it's not about the timeline all that the marketing says okay february we are having an analyst meeting now before that ensure that all this comes in the product even though the timeline is given before it's very difficult to match it so they'll all this friction would always be there then you come up with some work around saying okay we'll we'll call it beta and then uh, then we'll call it market release so all these things we also have uh, but i think one uh, one important point is the fact that you work well with person before and you know the uh, hot points of the person helps you to reduce the friction so on a more final note uh, what do you describe as success when it comes to engineering at soho and uh, how how do you fail uh, I'm, i'm sure you would fail as Correct. well in the way <laughs> so so you don't design to fail but then you do so so give me a sense of that like what happens but but also start with if if you can like how do you define success as okay. engineering so uh okay first all of us kind of agree that uh making product is like movie release so 10 movies you make two will be super hit three will be uh dustbin and then three will be so 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 you have to agree to this fact okay and now uh, doesn't matter what it is once you are coming to the private organization uh everybody is a sales person uh, unless you sell you can't survive so success of a product is it surely is based on revenue how many people use it what kind of revenues Uh, productivity per person that means revenue per person so all these anyway at a organization level is important so everybody is aware at least what we ensure is like for example if you take zoho we have like 40 services each of the service team is aware what is the revenue this month uh, what is the marketing spend at a team level they are aware of it and at a company level uh, the seniors track it at an engineering level one of the things we are saying now more is track usage okay frankly even we are i would say so far 
last couple of years or last 15 years or so we have been even we have been more revenue focused saying okay uh, look at it as uh, revenue what's your revenue and stuff like that now we are using an uh, what alibi uh, not alibi what do you call it um, one uh, first order derivative i mean i don't know i'm missing the word maybe it'll sure. come to me later yeah. so that's a uh, or first order indicator so feature usage okay how many customers are using your product and how many customers are using this particular feature because now the product is big enough the team is big enough and you may be working on one kutti feature one small feature and you can directly relate that to the revenue of the product you will know the revenues you know your product is doing well but on day to day basis i won't be able to calculate what this feature did to the revenue so what we tell people is now instead of worrying about the revenue worry about feature usage how many people have used your feature so we track at a feature level especially in the software as a service world because your uh, uh, service is being consumed from the web it's very easy to track now at a very minute level so you can find out okay amongst these set of customers x percentage is using my feature and what has been the support request how do i make that x bigger so now the feature usage is being used more than the revenue so for i would say at a, so when you ask the question what do you treat as success as they say like uh, wait i forgot the exact wordings they say like uh, see you need petrol to to move around but the objective of a car is not to go from one petrol station to another right it's supposed to travel take you somewhere there's a nice wording i forgot the wording but this is the essence of it so similarly being a private company you know vc funding and all that so you'll not be profitable you have to pay the paychecks so you need everybody's a sales person all this is given but that is like the gas in the car but that is not the only objective so the the objective is to ensure that you are satisfying the customer that there's a bigger thing this is essential but you don't track it at a, you don't keep worrying about it 24 hours so the other metric we use is the feature usage very 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 interesting and i think it makes a lot of sense in this age mm mm-hmm. yeah the next generation product that people are building correct uh, yeah so yeah no, the final thing uh, are there engineering disasters or failures in your organization yeah, yeah. so even <laughs> i would have done, i would have had my shares of it so and uh, as i said first at a product level because it's movie making we will wait for a product for 2 3 years then see whether the movie you know in 10 days but in product it takes you around 1 uh, year to 18 months to build okay and then you put it out uh, then you do some marketing spend you'll see how many guys are using it and all that so it takes at least 3 to 3 and a half years to see how well the product is if it's not going great we might absorb it into something more that that kind of thing so at a product level we look at it over 3 4 years and if it's not going anywhere uh, we might have to close it suddenly similarly like some of the products we have uh, garbage collected it when by the way when i use the word garbage don't look at it uh, uh, as a negative word garbage collection is a very common thing in java right so in all the programming languages so we garbage collect our products too especially when the market changes for example our mo- whole shift from in 2001 from webnms which was our previous brand to manage engine which was our next brand because we did the garbage collection on webnms because the market had gone away and all that so so to answer your question yeah so disasters do happen either because of market change or because of some of the parts we had taken um 
uh, and uh, it could also be just uh, like for example we might not have done good QA testing right and then it goes out to the customer and customer shouting up and down and there are sometimes it takes more than six months to fix it yeah. because the fixing may not be just fixing a particular bug it might have to go back deep inside change the architecture or do something and come out so all the chats we had we have we have had so for for every product that's successful today like <coughs> the 40 of our uh, services yeah. how many you had to kill Actually, I would say the birth of this was by killing the other. <laughs> so, so your question has to be unasked. This, this was born by killing the other person and coming out the way I'll put it. So all our growth itself, like in 2003-04, we had to reorient ourselves 90%. Wow. That means... Almost everything. Yeah. So from a people perspective, assume on 2003, 90% were working in something. In 2004, 90% of that had completely were working on something different. Okay, so the whole um, growth, I mean, the whole uh, birth itself happened because we had we just refocused completely. Okay, so in that sense, it was uh, harakiri, and then the next thing came up. <laughs> and, and the final question to you, Sahesh, is um, at a more philosophical level because I'm just fresh from Sridhar's conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why do you, Sailesh, uh, stay with Zoho? Uh, like, why are you still here? Why, why, why are you still at this purpose? Yes, uh, yeah. you know, what are you doing here? Question if I ask. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be more like, I mean, for example, uh, Caesar and all, all of us have studied together and all that. That was one thing. Um, and then the other thing is a bigger thing of, uh, uh, okay. When we started in 96, it was more of, okay, the fun of doing a startup and all that. And then um, it's about building skills in India. Um, some higher level goals, I would say. And then uh, around 2003-04, when you had to reinvent, it was, a, it was also another set of experience where you reinvent yourself and you go in. And what motivates on a daily basis is, see, now we are at a path where I mean, we could goof up, but we are at a path where we could become the largest software product company out there. Maybe we are already, but even at a higher scale, we could become. So, and this is like, I mean, a lot of times, Shizar does talk about Samsung, then he would uh, talk about uh, huh? Honda, Honda, Toyota, <laughs> yeah. any of these guys. Like you go and read the history of Honda, Toyota and all, most of them would have just been meddling something in Japan way back in 1950s and 60s. And I'm sure they never had all the engineering talent that the US would have had at that point of time. Okay. And uh, they would also be doing some, like if you read about this Honda and all, they were just doing some small level bikes. Then suddenly they make car one and then they go to US and that's a total failure. Come back, re-engineer, do a car two, do a car three, just keep at it. And then suddenly when you do the nth car, you, know, you are like uh, known in the market and you have succeeded and you've done all that. So things like that so these are all where where you know you're in for long term you're developing the skills and you know you could uh, the software products uh, and you could become a powerhouse of product in india as well as the world so these are all some of the motivational things thanks i, I think I, I in particular i liked uh, how the philosophy translates into something as hardcore as engineering because a lot uh -huh. of time people think that philosophy is a distraction 
Ah, okay. <laughs> but uh, you know, in, in this case, yes. it's, it's, it's beautiful. The way yeah. Thank you. It is mm. right there. So, thanks for this conversation. Sure. And that, as you said, that also reflects in the hiring, which I know Sri Rudra talked about. Yes. Yes. And most of them would be freshers, most of them down south. Yes. Take them, sit along with them, uh, talk to them in Tamil, Hindi, whatever. Or even tell who I do that. <laughs> so, if I, if I pick some engineers from Nellur and I know that I'm not able to have a straightforward conversation with them, then I look out for a lead. Who is from that area and put him under him. Oh, nice. <laughs> 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 thanks, uh, Godspeed, Selish. Thanks,